0: Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. Great to have your company. It's nice to see all your big smiling faces about to tuck into some meaty Supercoach goodness. You're on once again with Chizo, And I have a celebrity joining me on the show tonight, stepping out of the limo not five minutes ago. Dark shades, backwards cap, shiny rivalry league winning merch blinging all over him. It's Mr. 164... Sorry! Sorry, it's Mister One Fifty
1: Seven. It's JB. How are you, champion? No, don't don't do this to me, Cheeso. very humble <laughs> JB joining you this week. Um, I'm, I'm glad you read the words just as I typed them out for you. Thank you. Um, no, it's good. It's good. To do you be know on. how many
0: times I had to practice that in front of the mirror to make it sound genuine?
1: I know. I know. I, know, I hate holding people against the <laughs> wall like that. Um, no, no. I am good though, and I'm glad to be on. I think it's a very very important, maybe our most important episode of the season, Chizo. So it's it's good to be on.
0: Good, I like the pressure. That's what I like. Um, was your round as good as Andy Brayshaw's goal? No,
1: um, I don't think anything was. Honestly, that was, that was an incredible. <laughs> the snake. double
0: step, the across the body from forty. Oh, yeah. Come on, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we endorsed him last podcast. So watching his game, um, I was only a little bit disappointed I didn't go for him myself because I was chickened out, but. Um, seeing him do extremely well. Whoever did take the pun, um, and whoever sort of went for it based on our edging towards you know, telling him you to you know maybe he's worth the pun, then um I hope you enjoyed the the game as much as we did. But I did have a good round. I I put out twenty five oh six. If you have me on any social media platform, you already know that by now. I'm, I've been on <laughs> <always> Twitter. <laughs> um into the rank of one fifty seven. I Geez, I can't really explain what this round meant to me, but going to the port game, uh, witnessing firsthand Houston and Butters, my two massive point of difference uh, selections this year, do well. Um, Ridley was picking it up down the other end as well, a huge point of difference for um, us and Slack. Um, I think 12% ownership outside uh, just in the general Supercoach community, but 75% owned by Slack members. So um, we were really high on him this preseason. Seeing those three guys essentially carry me to a good rank uh, for the year, Already, after the year that I had last year, um, after suffering through Houston last year and a few other um, picks that I didn't exactly hit the bullseye on, it was amazing to start this season off with a bang. So it, it's it's got me super, super excited for the rest of the year. Um, and I, I believe you did extremely well as well, Cheezo.
0: Uh, 24-58 or something thereabouts. Uh, you were 14th for the round. Yes. I was fifty eight for the round. Huge. Um, and... You know, you know what it's like when you're you're having a decent year, and then you just want to know all the like. If you had got things the other way around, correct? Yeah, how many like points Gordon you could have made field up
1: the first week?
0: Yep, I, I figured out that if I had uh, my rookies correct for round one and round two, I'd be twelfth. Well, <laughs>
1: at least it's <laughs> not like four hundred points. Is into that first? Like you'd be kicking yourself on that? Um, yeah, I haven't done those calculations myself. I I actually had the perfect round in terms of fielding rookies this week so I can't complain there um, and I did get Rowe last week as well but it was at the cost of uh, Impey I didn't spend a trade getting MP out but I did drop him to a loophole um, after Rowe scored well so um, you, you know, you win some, you lose some. I'm, I'm being very aggressive this year, which is unlike me. I'm usually a lot of a, a, a lot more slow in my approach to the season. So, um, I think this year, this is our year. I think it's time to go balls to the wall and, and see how we go.
0: <laughs> I, I like it exactly how you put it there. Hey, let's do some housekeeping before we do get into a long uh, list of super coach. Uh, things we need to talk about. Uh, over on the Patreon, we've now reached 410 patrons. Thank you for all the new sign-ups. And uh, all the those that have been around for the uh, since the beginning and, and everything in between, we all appreciate you. Um, and we've got some names to read out. We've got Rubes, Leonard, Jake in Truck We Trust, um, we've got oh, uh Sisha, Cassiopeia, uh, Christopher Ames and Chris Mano. Thank you for signing up. Sorry, wait, what was um, that
1: what was that third name there?
0: It was Ceresha Cassiopeia. Yeah,
1: you, you reckon you've known that there's about four hundred letters in that name. Jesus. Uh. <laughs> Would you like to buy a vowel, JB? Yeah, I'd like to buy. Probably, <laughs> actually, no, I'd like to give a few back, to be honest. <laughs> I,
0: and if always, if we mispronounce something, we have to do a donation to the Cancer Council. So do let uh, get in touch and let me know how we went. Uh, in talking about the Cancer Council, we have had a few donations. Matt Ryan and Chris Moy both uh, giving generously to our Cancer Council um donate for dumb things, donate for donuts. It's kind of morphed since we, uh, we first began it. We're almost at $13,000 raised. So uh, we will leave the link in the show notes or on our Facebook page. If you do uh, have something silly like a donut already in the season, uh, or you've stuffed up a loophole, <coughs> Wellesley in Team Chizo. Um, find the uh, the Cancer Council <laughs> uh, website so and you can go from there. Uh, and we've also got another donation from Will Yuckin, um who Youngkin, I should say, who just wanted to donate to let JB know and Pistol know from last week's podcast. It's Bergman, not Bergman, and to not alternate yeah, in between. I kind
1: of, yeah, I think I was on the fence about it going into the podcast. <laughs> if I, I say goes, it right, both of them are crack at different <laughs> points to the podcast, um, but it carried into the game as well. It, having seen the donation, uh, I went to the game on Saturday to see uh, Port versus Essendon and still found myself yelling out, well done, Burgers, and stuff like that, and then um, alternating to well done, embarrassing, and well done, Bergman, <laughs> and my wife asked me at one point, is it Bergman or Bergman, because you've said both about 100 And now
0: times. the pressure's on, because you've got to know, because you do this professionally technically.
1: Te- technically, yeah, that's a big. <laughs> that's a big technically on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely Bergman. So, apologies.
0: Okay, uh, and the last bit of housekeeping: we've got uh, for Patreon kicking off this week. We do have rivalry league. Getting excited for that, JB, two-time uh, reigning champs, as well as Last Man Standing. Uh, if you are in the Patreon already or do want to sign up and uh, uh, haven't already joined Last Man Standing. Every week we're dropping the lowest 5% of scores, um, so you need to be consistently in the, uh, the top 95% of teams um, uh, to, to stay inside of the competition. You get uh, deleted. Um, the cutoff for this week was a twenty one forty eight. So if you do want to sign up to Patreon or you're already in Patreon, haven't joined the Last Man Standing group, you can do that. Um, we're allowing people to join this week if they did score better than that, JB. So yeah, and by the um, way, it's
1: a it's a competition that you don't need to pay up any extra for if you're just in the very bottom tier, uh, and there is a prize at the end of it. So yeah, just a freebie competition that we've just thought up this year that we didn't do last couple of years, and there is a prize at the end. So back yourself and jump well, in jumping. I think there's only two hundred people in, so about fifty percent of um, Patreon so definitely it, it's an
0: autographed picture of you I wouldn't necessarily term it a prize um, and the last bit of <laughs> housekeeping I do have one more um, the prize group winner for this week is DTS uh, our very first patron ever uh, who's ranked 24th uh, wins for accumulating the most points for the, munch, um, munch, the month of March um, which is fantastic and the likes of uh, Jimmy Ipper and John Elditch you guys, if you were in the prize league, you'd be taking home a prize right now. But unfortunately, being ranked 8th and uh, 15th just doesn't win you anything, I'm afraid. So you, you're doing well, guys. Uh, but you just missed out on the prize league. Um, we do have a random draw uh, that has gone to Clayton as well, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, anyone yeah. in Slack will know. It, I, I'm I, glad, I like I'm that glad he's st- had
1: a bit of luck go his way instead of the mm. adverse effect that he usually has on everything. So good, good job on Clayton.
0: I don't know what the opposite of the golden touch is, but every time uh, Clayton has recommended a player, they've seemingly um, either missed, Died. got suspended, or <laughs> basically. He's the uh, so reaper. Big round to get through here, yes. JB. We're eight minutes in. Let's start talking about Supercoach. We'll start with the, the the easiest kind of discussion point, which I think is the rookies. If you've missed any of these uh, following Seven, eight, or nine players. I think you definitely should be considering a rookie corrective trade this week. I've got the likes of Goulden, James Jordan, Campbell, Highmore, Warner, Berry from Adelaide, Powell, and Flynn. If you have a dodgy R three, potentially you could be looking at him because he's going to score, uh, produce a lot of cash. Um, they're all under the price range of 200k. The only one above that range I would consider as close to a must have in terms of cash generation if you're looking for another one would be MPJB JB at only 212k. I think we can slide him in there. Would you agree yeah. with most of those?
1: Yeah, so MP definitely I think he is a must have um, unless you would struggle to afford it. Um, if you didn't start any players around that range that aren't doing um, particularly bad. So, um, he obviously 120 this week, 123, 124. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but um, he went 120 plus. Bull Day just went down with an injury as well. I think uh, MP is essentially just going to get most of the ball off that back flank, which is incredible for his um, price. He's he, obviously seven turnovers in the first round and an average fourth quarter, um, still netted him 64 points. I think we're looking at a floor around 70 points per game, uh, which for his price is incredible. You're not going to find that in many other players. Uh, The other guys that you named, I suppose the most speculative two um, or one of... one that's speculative because no one has him, well, not no one, a lot of people have him, but a lot of people missed him as well, is Jordan, um, and we're going to talk about how important he is in terms of uh, your trades this week, if you have other issues around the place as well. Um, the other one is Barry, which I don't think a lot of people expected to be a must-have considering uh, he only came in for an injured Matt Crouch, but it's what he's done uh, since entering the team that has now put him on that radar for must-have, I um, think think you would find it very difficult to lose his spot considering he averages about 100 tackles a game and Adelaide need a defensive-minded midfielder. So um, Mm. I think he's been excellent as well. So he sort of worked his way onto the list with his gameplay. But um, to sort of discuss those um, conundrums that people are having, um, you did mention Jordan. So he's your priority one trade in this week. I know a lot of people missed out on him. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I think um, uh, looking at all the rookies that um, we may have missed, uh, or, you know, uh, pretty much if we haven't mentioned them, but they look to make some cash like Roe or Brockman or Cozzy um, or Logan McDonald, for example, these kind of rookies could be a corrective trade if you've accidentally picked a, a donut that probably isn't going to get a game. Um, maybe like an Eli Smith or something like that. Um, You could consider these guys, but the names that we've just mentioned are the ones that are, you know, really good scoring potential, really good um, job security in our eyes. And I think the thing for Jordan is I ended up picking him over Bergman in the preseason, JB, just as a bench option literally because of how glowing Goodwin was for his game. And when you look at how Jordan plays, he's always kind of one kick away from the contest. Um, You quite often see him as part of the switch when they're not switching in defense, but when they're switching around the back, like the defensive part of the center square. Um, He applies pressure. And you know, if you are doing, if you are taking um, switching marks, you are playing centre bounce, attendances, um, and you are a, a pressure player. That's something that Gouldwin absolutely loves. And it, it just seeing him play and the importance to his the, to the Melbourne team. I just don't see him unless he has an absolutely terrible fortnight, losing that spot in the Demon side.
1: Yeah, okay. So let's discuss how people get him in or one of the other players that i have missed on that list of uh, essential rookies. And I think players like Rowan, that, I don't know if you mentioned them on that list, are in that list as well, even though he put out a 19 this week. Just the job security and the previous mm-hmm. scoring potential that was seen, I think I'd definitely be getting him, but he's owned by like 99% of the comps, so it's fine. Um, would you consider trading someone like, I uh, know a lot of people jumped on Paddy Dow early. Um, would you trade someone like that down to Jordan and pocket the money? Um, I've, I've had a lot of people talking about discussing, talking about discussing, talking about trading um, rookies out for rookies and not fully understanding that although the rookies both have values in and of themselves, the trade actually has um, quite a high value to it as well. We've only got 30 for the season. Um, I doubt it's going to be like last season where we got given an extra 10, which was great. I think it was seven, but I exaggerate. Um, Trading someone like Dow, who's going to make approximately 100k if you keep scoring um, between 50 and 60, to Jordan, you now are adding the trade tax onto what Jordan will need to produce. Um, do you think something like that is is a wise idea? Are people considering it as heavily or uh, you know as they should be?
0: I heard the statement in there, the trade tax, and I absolutely love it because it's catchy as hell and it's probably going to catch on. I'm going to put that down trade. <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that. Um, And the trade tax, as you speak, is what is a value, the value of a trade. Now, it is different for every person, but there is the general theory that a trade is worth about 150K. So if you're trading someone like, um, let's say, a Dow. To a Jordan, what you're inevitably saying is I'm spending this trade because I think James Jordan will make 150K more than what Dow would have made for me. So essentially, what you're saying is that if Dow is going to make 100K, by getting Jordan in, you're saying he is going to make 250K. Therefore, I'm banking 150K through him. And that's going to be better off for me and I can redistribute the cash that I've already invested in Dow somewhere else in my team.
1: Yeah, so I, I think there are three, two minor factors, one major factor. So the factor that you just discussed them was the the price and I think that's the major factor is that you're at the very least trying to pocket um, 100 to 150K on top of the guy that you're trading to, um, the the reason I give a variance in the the money there and not just a straight 150k is due to the two other minor factors in in the scenario in which you trade one rookie to another. Um, first of all, things like job security and and you know safety in their role, um, quickness in which they burn uh, or make money are all factors in our in our future trades. And in you know the player's actual ability to be on your field or on your bench, you know it all, it all has some sort of a, a play in that. And then obviously that points per game differential as well, um, which has a huge factor in whether they're on your field or bench. So um, if you see Dow just pumping out low fifties to you know very very low sixties, and Jordan averaging around seventy five, you're getting an extra fifteen points on field as well as potentially 100 to 150k more, that makes the trade a, a no-brainer to me. And then if you consider the fact that Dow might not even be in the team in a fortnight or a month, which I don't subscribe to. I think he's got um, quite quite a free reign to stay in that best 22 until he does something really shocking, which he's had good quarters in every game so far. Let's, let's not be crazy. Um, then again, that that's a huge factor as well. So it depends on what you really trust in the rookies. Um, but... I think we can both agree that Dow to Jordan this week is a good trade um, with a very high chance of um, success in terms of the money made back and um, the scoring potential on field as well.
0: Yeah, and the, the thing that I would probably um, throw in with that as well is that a lot of us picked Dow through the absence of another better option. So, a lot of us were going, yep. oh, we better get Dow in because we got no one else. Suddenly, Jordan presented himself. Suddenly, Barry presented himself. Um, even uh, Locking McNeil presented himself from the doggies as well last minute. Sharp. You know, the, we didn't ba- have a ba- lot ba- of these rookies. As
1: well was last minute?
0: Yeah, a lot of these guys we, you know, ended up selecting because we were just so unsure about the rookies that we would have. And ideally we want to get closer to guns and rookies rather than full or mid prices um, for reliability of outcome. Obviously what happens JB is if you take on more risk, you're expecting that that risk is going to pay off in either more points or more cash generation to get a more reliable outcome from your team. You pick the more predictable scoring rookies because they're already basement price. There's less things that can go wrong. So, Ideally, from my point of view, I was always trying to get towards a more of a guns and rookies team and pick maybe one, maybe two mid-prices. So the reason, if I bring it all full circle, we ended up with Dow, a lot of us, was the absence of better better options. We have those now. We have the DPPs with like the Campbells and the Brockmans that if we swing those forward for Dow, we can end up getting a James Jordan. Um, And just to, on top of that, Using a magic number of about 5,400, you're looking at probably a 25 point um, difference in average for Jordan to make um, 150K more um, than Dow if they were evenly priced. But because he's literally, you know, 90K less, you don't actually need him to outscore Dow by all that much for him to make that 150K difference. So I just thought that was important to bring up because um, even, even if they end up at about a similar price because let's say they both average the same, just for argument's sake, you've still made 90K. But the fact that Jordan's already outscoring Dow you can be pretty well rest assured that you're going to make that 150K difference at least the way that it's
1: going. And we're using Jordan as a bit of an example, but it applies to any of those like first eight rookies that we mentioned that are really essential. If you miss Golden, mm. um, it's even more obvious that this trade is, is good for you. Um, and Barry as well. I think this trade uh, qualifies as being good as well if you missed him. So... Um, Next, I want to discuss, especially in regards to like while we're still on the rookies. um, If you've got, I've got a collection of pretty good rookies at the moment, and I've got a loophole. Um, Sharp for me has a value in that it allows me to field high more over um, who I think is going to be one of the worst scoring midfielders for the round, which was value for me this round because um, it helped me. By switching a few players forward as well, missed the score of Jimmy Rowe, so it does have a value to me. I think Heimel's good on field most weeks. I kind of want to keep that that swing action um, if I can, even if Sharp is dropped, which leaves me with I, I don't I don't have McNeil, but even he was good this week. Um, it leaves me with options such as um, Scott. as as one of my worst options Brockman is one of my worst options um if Bergman gets dropped which I don't think he will then he'll be one of my worst options um other than that we're essentially looking at the the first eight guys that you named off the top of the podcast so Mm. um obviously don't want to trade out any of those guys who am I looking at to trade out of this team to get in someone that I've missed like Jordan or um for other teams Barry and such um I know a lot of teams have Jones Fullerton um players like that which I think is more obvious you'd be fine moving one of those guys on. Um, but if you're like me, you had limited rookies and you've done well with all of them bar one, um, it gets really difficult to trade one of them over considering they could both be quite successful.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think the difference here is that even if you have a really good bunch of rookies, let's say for argument's sake that Scott was your Worst rookie, or um, yep, he is, he uh, is my worst rookie. <laughs> or if you're like me, you uh, you cleverly fielded Rowe over Harry Jones, only for Brockman to score 70 on the pine. Um, nice. <laughs> I can't believe I made 14 points there by putting Rowe on field. Um, with those kind of guys that are going to be such a slow burn, I would you know, maybe at the totally at round 23, the difference between a Jordan and a Jones is less than 150k, and technically you know, based on what we've just said, you can kind of poke holes in an argument if you wanted to be like that. The thing is, fast cash is more useful to us than slow cash. So if you've got a Harry Jones, he's got great job security. He's not going to miss in that Essendon side, especially now that we're having to play half our VFL side because we've got so many injuries. But the thing is, if he's averaging in the 20s and 30s, it's going to take him forever to make us 100K, and it would be totally worth even getting someone that's going to get to 250 to 300k faster because you're able to access that um, the cash from that asset and reinvest it into somewhere in your team. Because if you're waiting on Harry Jones to peak before you cash him out to try and use that cash, you're going to be um, just stagnant because you're sitting there waiting for something to happen as opposed to being ahead of the game. So um, there are a few rookies there, JB, that... Um, you may feel like you have to pull the pin on just because the rest that you have there are so good and you don't want to miss out on the cash generation that James Jordan can, and the Berries and these kind of guys that presented late can produce for us.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely agree regarding Jones, uh, Fullerton, Bergman if he's dropped are all very obvious options. Anyone really if they're dropped this week are pretty obvious. Um, Where do we draw the line? Uh, Would you you say the same for Scott if he's your worst rookie? um, Scott to Jordan? Because I think Probably. I think Scott's a chance to make over a hundred k um mm. before his buy, but I like you said I think Jordan is just gonna beat him in that race by about five to eight rounds and make more.
0: Yeah, the the thing is, the the difference might be less than one hundred and fifty k, but it's when you can access that. So you might be able to cash out Jordan at three hundred and fifty k before you can cash out Scott at two hundred and fifty k, and that becomes more important because you're able to access that cash quicker. So um, if Scott is the one that you're tying up between, uh, toying up between getting Jordan in. I would still consider that a corrective trade because, yes, you've picked a rookie that's playing, but it's still a corrective trade because you're correcting for the player that you missed that is absolutely essential for the cash gen because, like we said in the preseason, rookies were sparse this year, but what we're seeing this year is we've got six, seven, eight rookies that are fantastic, but if you have to play the likes of um, Scott on field or Harry Jones on field, you can be really struggling in your weak score. So you need to make sure that you've got the rookies that are not only generating the cash, but they're generating the cash because they're on-field options, which I think is also important and shouldn't be overlooked.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And just lastly, just to cap that off, um, I did talk about it a little bit before. Um, I think Sharp's value as a loop between midfield and defense is as valuable as any of your like worse rookies that are doing... Like still mm-hmm. playing and even if Sharp does get dropped this week um, I've got Sharp and Scott in my team and I'm favoring Scott and not really even thinking twice about Sharp um, in terms of trading out for Jordan so um, I think that sort of if anyone was weighing up whether they get rid of their loophole whether it's worth it whether it's someone like Scott or um, even McNeil Jones Fullerton Bergman if he's dropped like all those guys I think you'd rather have a loophole um, in your side so Uh, if it's especially if it's doing what it's doing for me and that's getting high more on um and someone in the midfield that i think is going to do badly off so um we're going to move on to a slightly very very slightly higher price bracket uh and we're going to talk about guys that are just under 300k who are threatening to make quite a lot of money um and it's it's more it's more prominent this year it's very spicy (laughs) <laughs> um, more prominent this year, considering we all kind of have dabbled in that section um, a few times in our team. I, uh, for one, looking at my team, have Orazio, Jordan Clark, Zeeble, and Impe, uh all between that 200 to 300K price range. Um, now, we have since seen three players emerge. One of them was very predictable. One of them was Tex Walker. Um, we have <laughs> – sorry, we have Tex – now presenting himself as a guy who's going to make a lot of money in the next few weeks Um, Swakowski for Fremantle has started really well as well Uh, and Atkins uh, Tom Atkins for Geelong has an extremely favourable role Um, I believe Pistol tweeted that Atkins was living Rent free in his head all preseason um, as an option this year. So he doesn't shut up about him. <laughs> he, he does love him. Um, I've heard him. I've heard more kind words about Atkins than I have about his lovely wife. So getting a little bit concerned there. Um, so we're going to really discuss the pros and the cons of getting one of these guys in. Um, who we think is probably the best option out of the three of them. Whether it's worth training someone like Danaher, um, Dow, if you've got the money, or even someone like Caldwell to these guys. Um, I think it's all up for discussion at this point. So. Let's start with the, I think the easiest one to talk about is Swickowski because he's kind of, uh, he's got, he's scored well. Uh, he's got four good games coming up with Carlton, Hawthorne, Adelaide and North Melbourne. So um, there's every chance he continues to score well. Um, but I don't know about you, Chizzo, uh, After seeing his role on the weekend, I don't love him, especially comparatively to um, Texan and Atkins. I think if he was there by himself potentially, um, but I, I don't think he's the best of the three options.
0: Yeah, every year we see these kind of breakout options. You see someone like kind of, uh, you know, priced in the two hundred to three hundred fifty range, like a you know a Stephen Motlop hasn't been terrible in the preseason. People like ah, I've got to get on him because he's going to be a keeper. I think the first thing we need to get out of the way first is that these guys we should not be considering as keepers. They should be either keepers. We should be considering them as. A cash generator, a points grab, um, something uh, is like a high risk, high reward profile if we go back to what I've just been speaking about. We're taking on this sort of risk, increased risk in someone like a Taylor Walker because we're thinking that you know by taking this risk on, we're going to end up ahead of the rest of the competition that play it safe. That's yep. the reason you should be doing it. The second reason you should be considering one of these guys is if you've already got someone occupying a position that they can replace. Let's say, for example, a um, really good one, let's say Zeeble's ankle um, it doesn't come up for this week and you're faced with uh, playing Harry Jones on field there is the argument that could be very easily made that Zebul was there as a low mid-priced option to start, you know, generate some cash to start the season. Taylor Walker has now presented that for us with a break-even of negative 114. It could be just an easy sideways between those guys to try and generate that cash. So that's, that, that's the second thing that I think that is important. Um, and the third thing that I, I think is very, very important that people um, aren't really focusing on is that the first round is only in their pricing cycle for one round. The second one's only in their pricing cycle for two rounds. If Taylor Walker comes out and scores 40, he will make 80K this week. The next week, he's not making anything. you know, so, And yeah, that 40 is going to be in his pricing amount, cycle. Yeah, much less. Okay. So, there is genuine risk that if he drops two sub-80 scores you make 40k off him before you have to, you're, it's round six and you're faced with what the heck do I do with him now?
1: Yeah, so just just quickly, um, regard, regarding Sulkowski, Tex and Atkins, um, can we just quickly remove Sulkowski out of the, the three options and just say that the mm. other two, if you are dabbling in this price range are better? Because um, I know a few people have put Sorkowski up in the uh, potential trade-in options. If we do that, then we can move on to sort of the Atkins versus Tech side of things. Yeah, would you agree?
0: Yeah, I I think just to capitalise on what you've just said, um, the role for SS is just literally you know a small forward that's just getting lots of the ball fed to him, and as soon as that dries up or um, they have a more evenly matched game, then he's one of the first players are going to be compromised.
1: He's he's essentially just the worst Taylor Walker. At this stage, um, in, only in terms of the scores that they've already produced in re- yep. regarding their cash generation future. Yeah. All right. Yep. So let's let's discuss Taylor Walker and Tom Atkins because both of these guys have been um, floated out a lot lately um, in the last three four days. I can't believe we're even discussing Taylor Walker as a super coach option an in, in, outside of the year of two thousand and fifteen. But let's let's talk about it. So he's priced at two hundred ninety eight k. All right, he's already had 12,000 trade-ins this week, which is a, a little bit. It's, it's a little bit. It's probably it's one of the most I've seen, actually, in, in regards to an influx. Um, influx, nice, He mate. He's put out two, obviously, massive scores, 130-plus. Have they both been 140-plus, even? They yeah, have been 140-plus. I've got a stat for you. 143, 146. I've got a stat for Wait. you. He's oh, okay, only, okay. Had,
0: only had three scores in his career higher than his past fortnight.
1: Well. That's an insane stat. But the point is, is the last fortnight is already on the board and we don't need him to do what he's done in the last fortnight. Now, he's got Gold Coast, North Melbourne, Fremantle, Hawthorne, and we can even throw GWS into that as his next five games, right? Of those five games, I would tip them to be competitive for at least two or three quarters in each of those for about, I'd say, three or four of them. You yep. would imagine? I agree. Um, yeah. Cons- yeah. Considering what they've done against Geelong and uh, the first half against Sydney, I think they can stick stick in, be competitive against at least three or four of those. Um, given that, and given the fact that we only need him to really score between 60 and 80 um, for the next two or three weeks for a, a real big cash grab, um, he's projected this week is 98, which, uh, like I think we can all agree, is he's unlikely to continue scoring tonnes. Um, but that gets him a 90K rise in week one of owning him. Um, yep. So the, the money's there. It's just, as you said, the for, the potential of having of scoring 40s, um, the potential of Crows getting just smashed and having a, a hot fortnight, but then reverting back to the norm, uh, which already started in the last game, uh, considering Sydney got a hold of them a bit. is Is the risk of him going back-to-back 40s enough to turn you off of a pick that only needs 260 plus scores to make about 150k.
0: Um it probably doesn't turn me off that because if you're considering Taylor Walker, you're already you know appreciating the, the how risky the move is. I think people are, you know, trading in Taylor Walker for the fact that there's a good to reasonable chance he's going to make them 100k and there's a maybe kind of 20% chance he makes you 150K in the next three weeks. So I think there is a little bit of... Um you know, not so much a bias, but people are kind of like rose-colored glasses, or however you say, where you're only seeing, oh, this is get like just so focused on the things that can go well in the situation. I think uh, is what I'm seeing a lot with these trade-ins. You know, uh, he's just gone back to back 140s. This this train can't possibly stop. Um, it, it's like a momentum that everyone tries to jump on and just um, get on board the train. Um, the the thing for me is that I don't think that genuinely assesses how risky the move is because you're trading in Taylor Walker, who's worth 300K, hasn't been priced above 300K in about six years because he hasn't done this before. At some point, this train is going to stop and you have to disembark. The question is, what round is it?
1: Yeah, so if we if we get a two-round rental and make, say, let's let's say things do go poorly and we make... About a hundred k on the nose, which I think after two weeks with that one forty guaranteed in his price rise for two weeks, I think a hundred, I think a hundred k is probably about the type of price rise that you'd be, in this instance, a little bit upset with considering the foundation that he's already built. Um, he could go worse; he could only make eighty k if he does really poorly in the next two weeks. Um, but let's say he just lands between there, and now in two weeks' time, so we're, we've just passed round four, we're going into round five. We've got a guy who's almost 400k. He's about 390. Um, what do we do with that? Like, it's it's kind of you kind of in no man's land because you're kind of like if if he does put out two average scores, he's now facing a quite a high break even. You want to trade him out now?
0: Mm.
1: I think. What? Where do we pivot from there? It kind of leaves you in a tough spot. I keep saying kind of. I apologize. I've, I've noticed that.
0: <laughs> well, everyone's just taken a shot for every time I took cash when I was talking about the rookies. Um, I, I, th- I think for I think something that plays in our favour here is that this play is to bring Taylor Walker in, snatch 100K hopefully, 150K fantastically, and then get him out before we start the upgrade one-up, one-down season. Now, the one-up, one-down season starts when these fattened rookies start to slow down at about 80% of their... Total, maybe 75 80% of their total cash generation if we were to hold them all year. So that usually takes place, I'd say, probably round six. JB, you'd say that's kind of when we start looking at yeah, uh, yeah, picking up new the rookies. There's absolutely the opportunity that you have a three week rental with Taylor Walker, make 150k or you know, 100k as it may be, and you're able to flick him to one of the rookies that you're going to be downgrading to, and it will work. So if we can get a month that he doesn't dip below seventy-five, this is pretty much going to work, and you're going to make the money from him. It's just one of those situations that you don't want to be stuck with a Taylor Walker getting close to the buyers. You need he needs to be one of the the highest priority players to get out of your side when the tide turns, and it it may be like um, a few years ago we saw. Uh, Jesse Hogan just come out of the blocks as a a key forward that was leading up the ground. He was averaging 100, and, you know, we were always saying, I know I personally was thinking, okay, another week and it's going to turn, another week it's going to turn, and suddenly he got to, like, round 10 and he was still averaging 100, but in the back half of the year, people that thought he was a keeper, he definitely wasn't a keeper. Um, I think the same thing has the potential for Taylor Walker, where round six, round seven, round eight, when you really should be saying, okay, he's kind of maxed out now. Let's get rid of him. People will get sucked into holding him. He's going to have one bad game. Okay, we'll get rid of him. Oh, wait, I've got two other problems that I now have in my side that oh he's now on the back burner. And you end up stuck with someone that's underperforming. So I think it's really, really key with this move is that you're getting him in and out before one up, one down season really gets stuck in.
1: Yeah, I mean, we kind of ha- we saw it last year, didn't we? With Jack Viney he came out and had two, I exactly. uh, saw one massive score, and then we had the two pr- two round price changes, and then I, I remember people having him post buy trying to get off of him. So um, it definitely can happen. You can get trapped into a bit of a vortex there with the player. Um, let's quickly discuss Atkins and then talk about the players that would think about trading to these guys um, and how valid we think it is before we move on to a bit of a premium section. So um, with Atkins, he obviously did well in the preseason, um, in the, the unofficial scratch match and the Amy game, he scored well off of halfback. I think he got about 120 points in the Amy game um, off of halfback, so um, he's good in the role. I think he peaked a few people's interest um, before the season started. Uh, week one he had 82, yeah, he heavily peaked pistols' interest. Week one he had 82. Uh, the week just gone he had 107, uh, so that's two pretty good games. You, you mm-hmm. I mean, for his price range, they are pretty good games. Um, I don't know if. Tex is a better option than Atkins because everything you spoke about with Tex in regards to a two-week rental, um, someone that we're going to have to prioritize to get out of our teams as quickly as we prioritize to get him into our teams. Um, Atkins seems like the type of guy with a high enough floor, um, let's say 80 is about his floor playing off of halfback, that he's just going to tick over in price. And worst case scenario, when he does max out in price, if you've got bigger issues there, Um, he can really quickly restart that cash generation with like a once-off big score or um, just the fact that he peppers around the same um, floor uh, so it doesn't actually have a heavy drop. He just stays around the same, like, you know, decent price range that you can get rid of. So uh, his his scoring just isn't as volatile as Tex. um, And like, it's not the ceiling that Tex has, but it's also not the floor. So um, Mm. I actually see Atkins as a better pick than text. And I don't I think that's really, really heavily against the grain. But um in his role I, I just see him being a successful eighty plus per game scorer. I think he's he's kind of the mid price that we missed out on. Like I've got a Razio on my team and I think I'd rather the security of Atkins at this point. Not enough to trade but um enough to have a little bit of a regret.
0: Yeah I I, I agree that So I agree and I disagree. I think that you're picking these two guys for two separate reasons. The reason that Pistol loved Atkins in the preseason is because, you know, all the talk about him playing off halfback, um, which we now know is a fantastic role for supercoach, and we wish we could pick 30 halfbackmen in our teams because they just get free points for nothing. Whereas Taylor Walker is just really that get in, get out, um, you know, smash and grab kind of job. Tom Atkins is sort of the same reason we picked uh, Jack Zeeble in that, you know, it's someone that's probably going to average 85 to 90 when they don't have their ankles rolled. And he's going if he does that, then he's going to be a good cash generator that, in the best scenario, sneaks in at F6, but in the worst scenario, is probably one of the last guys we need to upgrade because they're not really causing us issues. That's what I see Tom Atkins as being. The reason that he's priced under 300K is that he's never done this before. It is a role change. He was a pressure half forward when he first came into the AFL. Um, And so you're picking up potential value. Value is the key word there. Um, Same with Zeebel and these kind of guys. So if you're picking Atkins, it should be for a completely different reason. And it's usually because he's already on your radar, like for Pistol, that this is... This fortnight has just, you know, confirmation that what they thought was true. I want him to be a safe, reliable eighty-plus scorer that's just going to really slowly tick away cash, and I can just upgrade him towards his buy sort of thing. That's what I see Atkins as being. I see him and Taylor Walker being good picks this week, but for completely different and totally yeah, um, so- varied reasons.
1: So I kind, of, I kind of disagree there. I think they make mm. the same amount of money, just one does it a lot faster and is a yes. lot more urgent of a trade-out. Um, so I think you're picking them both as cash cows. Um, one just allows you to be a bit more patient with your upgrade process. One yeah. um, will kind of demand it of you. And I think in terms of points on field, Atkins probably offers a more secure um, output in that scenario as well. Um, yeah, so I think if you're picking if you're picking cash cows in this um, in this spot, which again we're going to explain the players that you would think about trading to these guys for this purpose, um, I think Atkins just with a better role, better preseason, um, I just think he offers a little bit more security, and will have the same outcome as Tex, just not as quickly.
0: Yeah, I, perhaps I didn't um, I- explain it as well as I would, but that has summarized exactly how I feel. I feel that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the, you, they probably make the same amount of cash, but just like with the rookies, one's going to make it real fast and then you can access it to start upgrading your team quicker, whereas the other one um, might shore up a hole in your team where you might end up having to play Harry Jones for five weeks yep. in a row and yep. you know, he provides that option of getting them off field while making the cash. So it's totally team dependent and if you have you know let's say for example you said we're going to talk about players we might swap to them if you've had cordwell get injured this week let's do um, that yeah and he's in your forward line or you can swing him in your forward line i could totally make the argument of him going to tex to try and make a good a bad situation into a good one with you know you've been presented as bad as that injury is and for your side it's frustrating you've been presented with an option to suddenly kind of turn that negativity around whereas someone like uh, you know our sides that don't have a problem You know we can't spend two trades restructuring our side just to try and get Taylor Walker, so we're forced to miss out on someone that you now have the ability to get if it's up your alley and that's the kind of risk profile you want.
1: I think there are kind of there are two scenarios um, that end up in you getting these players in your side. First of all, as you mentioned, Caldwell down. Um, I think my first instinct there, um, if you believe in Zach Butters, would be to try and get the money to go up, but if you can't find the money, or you don't want to restructure that specific part of your team, then going down is your best opportunity. Um, I would definitely wouldn't trade in someone around the price and try again in that mid price section. No, um, and Danaher potentially, um, as an like a corrective trade. I don't think mm. a lot of people ended up with Danaher in their side, um, but he's similarly priced. Uh, you only need about 50k to make the jump if you have Danaher and Dow for some. Reason and you wanted to go, you know, to Jordan and Tex or Jordan and Atkins, then I could see that as a completely um, plausible thing to do as well. So um, with those two trade options being um, floated, I I'm I'm just going to straight up no talk about it. Just going to say that yes, if I had Danaher on my side um, and saw the cash that these two guys presented, and I didn't have to work for that money to upgrade the pick. Um, then I would correct right over to one of those two guys and just take the money and, and get off Danaher.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, they're in the side for the same reason. So it's technically a corrective trade. Um, the one thing that yes. I would clarify that with is that I wouldn't be saying, oh, I'm, I am I want to go um, Danaher or Jack Zeeble to text, but I'm, a, I'm 10K short. Who else can I trade to allow me to get yeah, text? Exactly. I probably no, I would I not be doing that. that. So if you genuinely, uh, let's say you have a Tanner Bruin and you missed Jordan, really easy swap, hey, you've got 40K. Suddenly you can turn Zebul, who may or may not be injured, we're just using him as an example, suddenly he becomes Tex. That scenario I might use two trades. I wouldn't headhunt Taylor Walker and then search for a reason to trade someone in my side. If everything's just hunky-dory with the team, it's just unfortunate that we don't get to play the uh, the the Russian roulette with Taylor Walker's scoring.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people um, start with money in the bank as well. Uh, so for those people, it's I think it's a perfectly viable option. Um, and like you said, though, we don't. Some people like that don't have that option. Um, don't have to pay the Russian roulette. Um, Ignore the fact that half the competition seems to be trading in Taylor Walker right now. He's not essential. Um, there's a reason we didn't ha- name him like we named Jaman Impey, who we think is essential. Um, there's a reason we didn't name him when we named all those other rookies that look essential, the seven um, guys that we went through, the eight guys. Um, he's not essential. He could go poorly. Um, I think the odds are in his favor of going well. So I, I, I'm not trying to talk you off of trading him in at all. But if you can't get him, there is absolutely no reason to change anything else in your otherwise perfect team to get him in. Um, like you said, I think that's that just has every single reason to backfire on you um, and probably will. That's how we usually see those scenarios ending up. So, um, Absolutely, I think he's going to be a fine trade-in. I think Atkins is going to be a fine trade-in, um, but I'm not moving anyone out of my team that should have a spot in my team to make it happen. Um, so that... I think we'll finish that talk. I can't believe, Cheezo, I cannot believe in 2021, (laughs) we just spent 20 minutes discussing Taylor Walker, Tom Atkins and Sam effing Swakowski.
0: I guarantee you that we'll get an inbox saying there's another option that we didn't address, but you know, taking what we've said, Substitute different names, and the answer is still the same. So, uh, yes. we might as well jump into some premiums, mate. We've got a lot of messages about what the heck to do with Lockie Neal.
1: Yeah, so Lockie Neal, the the number one talking point, I think, for the entire week. So, um, we've left that late. <laughs> We're at forty-seven minutes. We are just hitting the number <laughs> one talking point. Um, but so essentially, all that I I don't I don't think you or I have. Um, a lot to discuss so I think we're going to fly through this one pretty quickly um, first of all if I think we can you and I can both probably find common ground that um, if Collingwood intend to tag him this week with uh, if you see a Levi Greenwood appear on the the team sheet then I think we are in agreement that trading him out um, considering how much the tag is going to affect him already or how much it already has affected him, how much it will affect him throughout the season, um, your best to just take that money that you're about to lose, um, keep it in your bank and, and pivot to someone who you think will continue to score well.
0: Yeah, it's it's got to be now or never if you don't want to keep him. Acknowledging the fact that he's probably going to be someone that you want to finish the season with. So, There's a lot of people, you know, oh, the Brownlow curse, he's going to... Uh, come out and average 108 for the year. I I genuinely don't think that's the case. Um, No. Watching that game very, very closely, I know you're a a big NBA fan, JB. At the stoppages, he's like doing pick and rolls. He's trying to use other... He's literally doing everything in his power to break the tag. It's not like he's done a Crips and is just like walking around injured or you know half given up. He's still busting his gut trying to get the ball. He's running to space. They're just not flowing at the moment, Brisbane, to be able to give him the ball. So in terms of Lockie Neal's um, sort of hunger for the contest and um, particularly um, later in the game, I was really seeing him trying to break that tag. The problem is it's just not working for him. And because he's so highly priced... um, it's not like he's just resting on his laurels because he's had a good year previous. I think he's still going to have a fantastic this year. Uh, year this year. He's had some really good press about how he still wants to improve himself and he's not happy with where he is, that competitive nature. I love all that. I think that if it allows you to fix something else in your team... Say, for example, you do have a Caldwell, you don't want to try Tex, you do want to get Butters, and you need to find that cash somewhere. Maybe you didn't start um, uh, You didn't start with like an Oliver, perhaps, who's having a great start to the year, and you can pivot that way. I can see that as kind of two birds, one stone, fixing that scenario before he drops all that cash. Um, but if he is literally your only problem, and you're picking him because you think you're going to want him at the end of the year... I almost just kind of write it out a little bit, JB. As much as it sucks, we knew going into the season these guys were going to lose cash. It, it, you know, like we knew Gorn was overpriced. We knew Lockie Neal was overpriced. We knew Jake Lloyd's going to overprice. they were all losing mountains of cash in this first half of the, you know, the start of the season. We all knew that going in. It shouldn't be a surprise that he's going to lose a bunch of cash. It's not like, I'll, I'll pick him if he's only going to lose 200K, but anything above 200K, I'm going to trade him. You know?
1: Like, okay. He- so, I'll oh, 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 sorry, I'll cut in a bit. Um, a couple of things with, with what you just went through. So, um, first of all, they've got the first game of the week. Um, if they if there is word, confirmation that he's going to get tagged or Greenwood comes into the game, mm. um, I think it gives us a whole nother outlook on this um, because that'll be a third... Probable poor score in a row. Yep. Um, given the fact that Brisbane are already 0 and 2 with Neil performing poorly in both, um, if by some miracle Collingwood do beat Brisbane and Neil gets tagged, I can't see a world in which he doesn't see 10 more tags this season um, because Brisbane are on paper one of the best teams in the league. And if that's the way teams are shutting them down, um, then that's what teams are going to do. Teams that don't tag, Um, are likely going to look at what has happened in his first two rounds and try and emulate it. They lost to Sydney. Um, I I think that's important. I know they only lost by a point last week, but if you see a tagger in this game, then I think trading Neil out is 100% on the cards. If you don't see a tagger, the fact that Collingwood leak midfield points, as we've already seen with every Western Bulldogs player turning up against him in round one, I would keep Neil and back him in to go 40 disposals Mm. this week. It could be as simple as that one decision made by Collingwood making up your mind as to whether you keep him or get rid of him. Whether you think you've got holes elsewhere in your team, justify the selection in and of itself before you look at anything else. Decide to yourself, is he going to get tagged? Yes, I'm getting rid of him. Is he not going to get tagged? Not in your opinion? All right, keep him, back him in. You're locked into that money loss if he does get tagged, and you want to trade him out the week after. If he gets tagged into another seventy cheese, and they lose the game, you want to trade him out so badly the week after. And now it's even more difficult because he's just shed ninety k off your starting salary. Yeah. So it's it's make or break time for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think the the tag or no tag is going to be a huge factor. Um, and whether or not you decide to cop that price drop and back him in is going to be a, a massive factor as well. If people decide to, to drop him, and I will say right now, I would prefer to keep him. I'd prefer to find any reason there is to keep him to justify selecting your team, because I think we can all agree he's still going to be top 10. Um, and we're all going to want him by the end of the season. Um, so, c- avoiding the double trade back up to him, the fact that he can go 162 weeks in a row and make that money back so quickly um, makes him super unique. And trading him out could be very problematic uh, later on, considering it might cost you five trades this year. Um, but if you do see the tag come in, you do choose to trade him out, you make the decision early um the discussion is to be had whether you do what you suggested earlier and try and fix up two spots in your team making um money to go Caldwell to Butters and also getting you know a missed premium for Lockie Neal as well at the same time um or do you go straight to an uber premium like that you've missed maybe you've missed McCray Oliver um I'm sure not many teams have all three of those guys out there and all the two of them have started really well and the other one is the guy that we we're talking about. Um, where do you sort of sit or is it just far too team-dependent to deep dive into?
0: I think it is team-dependent. I think the um, the thing for me, we're still talking about Neil, aren't we? I kind of dozed off there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of people listening. Uh, the next three games he's
1: got what? Collingwood. <laughs> Collingwood. Wait, what, what, why, why did I just get flamed? Then what is <laughs> happening right now? We're mid podcast, and I'm just getting absolutely shredded by my co-host. Excellent. <laughs> Maz put me what up. What is to happening? Um, that I
0: I I agree with the the tag situation. I think it is. I don't think it's team dependent. I think it's coach dependent. It, it's regardless of who else you've got on your side. I think if this is something that's going to be keeping you up at night and you'd rather just snag McRae, who's about to, um, you know, hopefully average 120 this year and still kind of a little bit under-owned for what he can produce and you want to get on the butters bandwagon so you can do two birds, one stone, totally, totally set. That's absolutely not a problem with me. I think if you've got nothing else to do and you're looking at Neil's start to the year going, Oh, that's not that great. I might as well just trade him out because I've got 30 trades. I think there's going to be a lot of people caught out with the fact that we're not we don't just have infinite trades like we did last year. I think that you genuinely have to sit back and say, What's my buy structure like? Is he a premium that I'm genuinely confident is going to go 115 plus? Because remember, Neil is one of those guys that has had Awesome starts to the last couple of years, then he starts getting the attention, and when he gets attention, he averages 115, 116 thereabouts over the last two seasons. When he's not getting the attention, he averages 130-plus. Now, if I'm looking at the next three rounds, you've got Collingwood if greenwood's not in the team he's probably not getting attention bulldogs go head to head and Essendon don't have any players and then you've got carlton who <laughs> have a new kind of center four and ed is really not there anymore and i don't personally think they would compromise their new center rotation because it's making them slightly you know more competitive they would seeing... lift their own four yeah I, I i don't think that we're going to see get a tag in the next 4 weeks Port Adelaide, JB, don't usually send um, massive run with. Um, Frio, not really anymore. Gold Coast in round nine is probably the first one he's going to get a run with. He's got DeBoer in round 11. So coming up to the bye, it's not like we're going to see a Lockie Neal coming out of round 13 ready to upgrade and he's averaged 70 the whole whole time. At some point, he's going to get a, a good run with it. The last, you know, particularly against Geelong, um, in Geelong, that was an old school, genuine hard tag. That even the last couple of years they have you know some run wins. Uh, I think the term cooler popped up in the last week or so. That was a That's hard, nice. hard tag. That was a that was like a proper old school Ryan Crowley tag, and so when you haven't really experienced that for quite some time, again, at the start of the year at, a, you know, a stadium away from home, finding out before the game, you're probably going to have to isolate all this kind of stuff leading into the fact that he's probably not going to have the best game of his life. So as, as itchy as people are getting, if I started Lockie Neal because I wanted him at the end of the year, I'm still finding it really, really, really difficult for me personally, for how I play the game. And maybe it's just the way my side's structured, that I just I might just write it out you' like but if you write out this week you've got to keep him unless he is genuinely 10 rounds in averaging 80.
1: yep so let me just let me just end as well by saying that trading Neil to a rookie is a super big no-no um, Wait, I don't what? Care who's doing that because he missing a lot of people have, um, just put up the Neil to Jordan because they miss Jordan and to get another premium that. somewhere else. No, as in like they're, they're making a correction correctional trade elsewhere and they're just going to have to carry the cash for a week. Um, yeah, that's that's obviously a big no-no. We do not endorse that at all. Um, that much money is going to cost you a lot of points on field. Um, it's I do care what Neil's scoring. It, it, if you think Neil needs to be traded that badly for points on field, trade him to someone who's going to put points on field. So um, we're going to move on, I think, past Neil. You didn't really answer my last question, but I suppose that serves you right for falling asleep. Um <laughs> We're going to go to just quickly discuss um, two more premiums that haven't exactly started like a house on fire, a lot of ownership on them, uh, and then we've got one more point to round out the podcast. So um, Josh Kelly and Zach Mera. I'm going to start off geez, though, by saying mm-hmm. I'm a Zach Mera owner. Yep, um, me too. With a de- decent rank and not a lot of problems in my team, and I'm not even considering getting rid of Zach Mera. I know they've had a lot of injuries Um, but he was played a little bit out of position in the game, just gone. I don't think they can afford to do that again, probably ever, um, considering how many midfielders they're now down. Um, He's going to play midfield. I know they're going to lose games. Um, I know they're not going to be a pretty team to watch, but as long as they're at least competitive, and Port are a good team, losing to them by a decent margin isn't isn't something to, to sort of... It's not an indictment on Essendon. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to be great this year. Obviously, I don't think any of us expect them to be um, around the top eight mark, but they're still going to be competitive against teams around them. Um, and as long as they have that competitiveness, um, Zach Merritt's going to do well and he's going to bounce back. They've not had the best start to the season. Um, he was on for a really good score last week before um, they got run over. Um, so he's had pretty much six straight. Don't laugh. He's had six straight quarters (laughs) of of football where they've been non-competitive. So um, I don't think he's an issue at all. We're going to move to Josh Kelly though. Um, And he was played more forward than what you'd probably ever seen Josh Kelly played in his last four seasons combined, um, just in this one game, which is cause for concern. Um, I think the bigger cause for concern is the fact that GWS look as bad as they've looked with Josh Kelly in the team. Um, but with all that concern, he's still put out back-to-back 90s. Um, he he had 65 at time the week just gone um, before he's, his role was changed a little bit. I don't think he's as much of an issue as what people are, are, are thinking. What do you think? Uh,
0: yes and no. I think that you're absolutely right uh, when you said off the podcast that GWS look as good as they did when they had Israel Folau. Um, I think that that is going to impact someone a little bit um, like Josh Kelly. The reason that Zach Merritt differs from Josh Kelly is that Zach Merritt's at least getting centre bounces, whereas Josh Kelly... And Zach is,
1: Merritt's put up a good average in a bad team, as we saw in the second half of last season. And
0: 2016, when we had four AFL-listed players yep. playing for us. So um, I, I think I think the thing for me with Josh Kelly is that you're already taking on risk by having him. So it's it's you already knew the risk going in. You didn't expect that it was going to be that he was going to be playing forward. I mean, yep. I've never a I I haven't seen him play across half forward since, you know, his second season when he averaged 85. I think I think he's still he's still someone that we do think will average 110, 115 plus. I just think that right now the way that GWS are playing it doesn't suit his game style where he is more of a link-up player than he is a bash-and-crash, go-get-the-ball type of player. Um, and so it, it leaves owners in a really, really tough situation because he does probably play well going forward. But his start to the year and the roles that he's had and his lack of center bounce attendances uh, even with all their youngsters going... It, it just leaves this really sour taste in your mouth that you' you just kind of like it's kind of like going to detention j b you know it's gonna suck, but you know you just kind of have to just grit your teeth and get through it is does that sort of like resonate with you or <laughs> are you are you genuinely considering about getting rid of Josh Kelly if you own him
1: i I don't think I am this week I mean it'd be a different story if I missed out on someone like Kate and Oliver and I had the money sitting there. I think that'd be really tempting um But there are a a large list of players that i would be trading Josh Kelly to. Um, I think, I mean, I suppose if you missed out on Dusty Martin, which is a a small amount of people, and you really thought that he was going to turn it up this season, then I could understand a corrective trade in that direction. But there are probably only two or three players that I could imagine trading Josh Kelly to. Um, Otherwise, I I don't think it's, I don't think you're in that much of of a, you know, corner that you need to trade him out urgently um given he's already put out two 90s um they're going to be again like Essendon I know they're versus Fremantle but they're who they versed last week I need to I need to see that ah, St. Kilda. One, sorry yeah thank you that was taxing on both teams I think both teams came out slow this week thank you lost the Melbourne GWS lost to Fremantle um that was a big game for both of them that was played on the Sunday um and then they flew uh, to WA to play um metal, which is a tough road trip, especially considering their the sort of makeup of their team is a little bit different. You could probably see the forward time for Josh Kelly as like even semi-resting, mm-hmm. um, considering the game was out of their control by the time it happened. Um, they've got this week, they've got Melbourne um, back at home. So, look... I- I think they're competitive this week and I think in any game that they're competitive in, Josh Kelly has 120 written all over him. It's what he should have scored in that first week, but he got stuck on the bench. Um, if they if they can be competitive in at least 50% of their games, um, I just think he just does good enough to tick over and if you need to correct him later around their buy or something like that, um, then absolutely fine to do so if, if he's still an issue at that point. After two weeks averaging 90 in a couple of big losses, I'd... Well, the first one wasn't a big loss in a couple of tough games. Um, I don't think we're at die straits right now, unless there's someone serious that you've missed out on.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I I tend to agree. Um, unless there's some genuine extenuating um, circumstances where you know you're saying to yourself, you know, this guy's injured or um, he's been suspended, something you know, like a a, a danger field or a fife kind of situation where you have a legitimate reason that you have to get rid of them I think it's very tough for me to rationalize trading out someone that's underperforming but they're not necessarily doing terrible I don't think any of us expect Josh Kelly is going to average in the 90s for the year and if he did that would be incredibly incredibly you know um, surprising to us so it's it's probably tempting, as you say, to get a an Oliver and McRae. Um, it'd be very easy to sideways him to Titch, but again, a lot of these players that you may want to sideways him to are around the same price as Zach Merritt. They all kind of have their little nuances and the things that are positive and negative for them. They're not just um, just the 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 guns that are just going to average 120 and you just lock them in and there's you know your sleep at night factor is not an issue. I just think with Josh Kelly, it's just going to take a little while for him to to get into the groove for the season. And as you say, the first two rounds, um, including that road trip, probably didn't help. So it's not a great start, but it's not like massive panic stations that you have to just suddenly get rid of him. You've probably got other things that you need to correct.
1: And by the way, he started last season averaging about this as well. I think he's averaging 95 in the first two rounds. So. Um, he's not adverse to starting a little bit slower and then turning it on um, around the midsection. So, I've got two more players to talk about um, very quickly, and then one last closing point and discussion before we close up. Um, first of all, Patrick Cripps, now up to a break even of 137 at his already. Uh, Lowered price of a five hundred and twenty-three k, projected to dip under five hundred k if he scores his projected this week, uh, which is seventy-five. Am I? You're, you're looking at me really weird there, No, nope, <laughs> <laughs> I always get I always get worried that because I got you on the camera. Um, anyway, so yes, he's projected to go under the five hundred k mark. A lot of people discussing um, trading him out this week. He has Fremantle this week, then Gold Coast. Um, I don't think he's an urgent trade out and I, I think we're in a position right now where um a lot of players look good, like Andrew Brashaw looks amazing right now, and other players around him look really good at that price. Um but I don't I'm not exactly locked into anyone being like an absolute lock and load player at that price at this stage. We're only two rounds in. We haven't collected enough data to really lock players into our top eight. Um, especially speculative guys um, in terms of Brayshaw and Walsh. and um, Obviously, we saw McGrath have a big first week and then um, was less than that, and this week just gone. Um, so I think Cripps, losing 20K on him this week isn't the end of the world. Um, he's still putting up 80s. He's still, you know, he's not scoring great, but you can potentially wait out um, another player to see... I mean, Zach Merritt's probably going to drop to a not a similar range, but... Um, he's going to be within a little skip or a hop away from Patrick Cripps soon anyway. So I don't think he's an urgent trade-out, but if he is your only issue, then I could absolutely justify it.
0: Yeah, and obviously that injury that he's supposedly carrying that they've just suddenly decided to... We don't know where it
1: came from or what it
0: did or why it
1: didn't stop him in the first half against Richmond or why it didn't stop him in the preseason or... Yep, who knows.
0: It's, It's one of those things that uh if he's genuinely carrying an injury as you know he's supposedly is it's, it's something that's genuinely hampering with the likes of you know Merit and Kelly they're just underperforming whereas if Cripps is hampered and maybe this all links back to all the comments we had in the preseason about him you know just walking to contests and not looking engaged and maybe maybe it was even as early as that that he'd suffered this injury that he was struggling through Um, whatever it is, at which point if this is the type of crips that we're going to have week in, week out because he's struggling with it, you've got a genuine cause for concern because it's not like he's going to turn the corner anytime soon. So uh, he's probably the one of the kind of premiums in that era that have some kind of physical ailment that's causing the underperformance as opposed to either being part of a smashing um, or just slightly underperforming what they usually do and they'll probably come good in a couple of weeks. Is is that a reasonable kind of assumption to make, JB? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so in that case, if you wanted to jump off and you had a little bit of cash to get to Welsh... I think uh, that's one that you've mentioned. Um, I could totally look at someone, something like that or a Brayshaw, as you say. Yep. Um, I, I don't think very much like um, a cold well in the 350 range, I'd be going down rather than finding that same kind of level. I don't think I would be dropping Crips down to someone cheaper than him in like the, no, the 500k no. range. I think that's just bringing on risk that you've just tried to get out of your team because the risky player failed.
1: Speaking of risky players, I do agree with what you said, Giso. Um Nat Fife uh, is obviously going to miss the upcoming game with concussion symptoms. Uh, probably just the one game. We have seen him miss um, multiple before for this, so we hope it's not a bad one. I think he, I think he near on passed the concussion test um, when he went on. So uh, like after the incident, then was still subbed off based on the footage and then now has been ruled out for the upcoming game. So I don't think it was a bad one. Um, as far as like, obviously all of them are bad, but like as, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Um, so we assume he just misses the one week. If you're an owner, he then follows that up with games against Hawthorne, Adelaide, and North Melbourne. Um, so I wouldn't be looking to trade him out.
0: No, no, I don't, I don't think so either. But uh, is that his only missed game for the week, JB? I've got to own up, JB. I think I may have done a Clayton here and pulled the 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 Grim Reaper kind of thing i i i mentioned i mentioned a bit of a a a joke in the preseason, being like um i think it was talking about the the sub rule that um you know it's it's been brought in for the likes of nat fife that try and concuss themselves every second week and i said that as like a you know just like an offhand comment i didn't actually expect him like within 14 days to actually have become concussed because of it so um, I, I think I of, think
1: obviously a lot of guilt as you are bring this up live on the podcast <laughs> with no prompting. but yep.
0: <laughs> I, I think I, I totally tend to agree in the fact that um, you picked Fife knowing that he was going to miss games this year. There's no way around it. You knew that he was going to miss a game at some point. Maybe this is just the one, you know, maybe there's more to come. I don't think I would be jumping off when what we knew would happen has happened. Or, you know, not that you yeah. would be concussed, no, but that if he would... You, if you it, it, this shouldn't change your mind.
1: No, exactly. If you started him thinking he'll play 22, um, you're probably not great at the game um, or <laughs> oh not good God. at looking up past history and injuries. But um, <laughs> oh, definitely don't jump at a shadow um, as soon as he misses just one week um, and then versus three yeah. very good opponents. So, very happy to hold that. So... I've got one more discussion point, um, a little bit off topic from what we've been talking about so far. It's just about the trades um, that we've done thus far and how many we've gone through, how many is too many. Um, I think four trades by the end of this round is probably um, you're scared (laughs) at that stage because you you almost want to go without trades in the next few weeks after that. Um, But what justifies going to that four um, what justifies using a third trade even? Um, what? Uh, where is the value in the trades this year and, and how many we've used thus far? I only used one in the first week being Dangerfield out. A lot of people, I suppose, had Dangerfield and ROW, so people were in automatically worse situations than I am. Um, I'm I'm looking to use two this week. I want to know, Cheezo, or I at least want to discuss. Um, sure. I think firstly we can say getting the rookies that were named round one... Um, and are quote-unquote the better rookies considering they have the first crack at the best 22. Um, and as we're seeing with already eight premium rookie options, we are seeing probably the best rookies of the season. I think it goes without saying that even if you made two trades last week and you've now missed um Impey and Jordan or Jordan and Berry, something like that, I think it's fine to correct still and, and go down to four trades used thus far to get the best rookies in. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree.
1: Now, it's the diceier stuff that we're analysing here. Um, would you trade Lockie Neal if it was your fourth trade? Josh Kelly, Zara, are those trade options now considerably worse now that they're going to be your fourth trade? Um, if you've got Coldwell this week and you already had to make three forced trades last week, you know, like where do we draw the line on how many trades? It's been too many, and what trades are worth it this week? Um, if you've got guys like Duggan, Phillips, Toronto. Um, and a bit of cash in the bank. Do you look to upgrade them this week with your fourth trade? All those guys have been considerably um, down on our expectations. They're not going to be premiums and top 10 options in their uh, prospective fields this week, respective fields this week. Um, where do we draw the line on trades? I think I'm going to start off by saying if you do have any of Doug and Phillips, Taranto, and some cash in the bank, I would look to be moving them on with my fourth yeah. trade even.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is that type it's hard every trade should be kind of looked at individually i think I, I i think that if you've already used three trades or like you did two last week you've got it you know danger row and then Caldwell this week and then you're also looking to get jordan in your team for example Absolutely, I still think that's yep. an absolute perfect move. The, the the thing is that if it's, if that fourth trade is a luxury trade, like everything we've just gone through with the premiums, talking about like um, uh, a, a Crips, for example, who may be underperforming for the rest of the year, I think that becomes a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I'd almost be tempted to... I'd probably still be tempted to treat that as its own individual trade and not worry about how many you've used because everyone at this time of year is either flying and not using any trades and so by doing nothing you fall behind and then you've just got a trade at the end of the year that you hope helps make up ground or the people that are in the same boat as you are using that trade who then you fall behind. So it's sort of like a lose-lose situation if you sit there and go, oh, I've already used three trades. I better not use a fourth to fix this fire that's going to burn a hole in my midfield. Um, it, I, I still still think that, that making those aggressive moves early to make sure that you've got the right side before the price changes begin is probably the second most essential you know, structuring part of the year as to setting your pre-season team up when everything, you're going into round one. I think that getting, coming out of round two, you should have basically everything kind of locked and loaded for the next month where you probably don't have to make a trade until that upgrade, downgrade season starts to beginning. And you start churning through the trades. And, you know, I've seen this occasionally on Twitter, JB, just to digress a little bit. People, you know, commenting like, oh, haha, all these people that are, trading danger and these injured premiums I can't wait to be the only one with trades in round 18 and I'm like I'm lucky if I come out of the buyers with a handful of trades because you know <laughs> I'm, I'm usually aggressively going okay here we go the cash is going let's start the engine let's get this upgrade going let's get you know if you're first to full premium you're not only you know points ahead of the rest um, but you don't you know unless something really dramatic happens you don't need eight trades to make it from round 14 to round 23. You shouldn't anyway.
1: So I suppose, I guess the, the refined question is how big a fire is big enough to justify using your fourth trade on um, Zach Merritt probably not a big enough fire to use your fourth no. trade on um, you'd back him in to do better over the rest of the season um, if you started someone like Petrarca averaging 95 probably not a big enough fire um, I mean I wouldn't have started him anyway but um, these are just examples <laughs> Josh Kelly as well um, someone who's just not big enough of a fire to use your fourth trade on this early um, I mean like I don't know if you've got Danaher and you're thinking of going to ta- Taylor Walker is that a good enough fourth trade Jeez-o. I mean, like, it generates yeah. the, the cash. I think so, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's
0: a positive move if, if you're swapping a like for like in that. That's why we picked What, what about Hayden Young?
1: To- 80-odd in the first week, just 60-odd this week. Is that a big enough fire to use a trade on?
0: But we picked him because we knew that's what he would perform. Like, we... we I agree. Th- th- there's, there's nothing changed from... You know, we get itchy trigger fingers because he's not doing 80s every week, but that's kind of why we picked him. We picked him because... So, no, I don't think he's a big enough fire.
1: No, yeah, yeah. So 28% of teams have Tim Taranto averaging 87. Is that a big enough fire?
0: Man, he hasn't played that bad. I mean, round one, I thought he was fantastic, but he just always has a whack DT to SC score. Um, and the second week, they just got belted, but he was still you know, one of their main three midfield combos. It's not like the dogs where the the top three have 20 centre bounces out of 21, and then everyone else has, like, one accidentally. They 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 did share it around a little bit this week. But he's still got a decent enough role. And I think that the pass-fail mark for him is, like, the low 100s. And, you know, you'd be hopeful for 105. So I wouldn't necessarily be cutting and running on him just yet. But I think if it was your fourth trade and you'd put out all the other fires and he's your last one to consider and you've got the cash to go up, I would definitely consider it. I wouldn't be doing it if there was anything, any player under 600K that you're looking to swap him to. I mean, as a midfielder.
1: Tom Phillips, 56 this week, owned by 30% of the comp. Is that a big enough fire?
0: You shouldn't have had him to begin with. Oh, sorry.
1: (laughs) You had a bit of a cough there, mate.
0: (laughs) It just slipped out. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, like there there are just there are just instances where I mean 20% own cold well obviously that's a big enough fire he's injured for a yes. you know, he's got an LTI um, I, I suppose it's just a, a decent talking point I wouldn't go over the four trade, the three trade threshold if I could help it um, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time you, you just can't help it and it is what it is I wouldn't also be hesitant to go over that three trade barrier, um, I think you've gotten unlucky, but you might have just spent most of your injuries for the season, and um, you know holding those trades depending on other injuries just isn't a way to play the game. Um, like you said, be aggressive, um, fight what you've got going wrong in your team early, get ahead of the curve, and then you know hopefully if you end up praying for the last five rounds that nothing goes wrong, it's it's just where you end up. So. Um, you'd rather that than have someone like Taranto for you know eighteen rounds before you just luxury trade him out.
0: Yeah, uh, can I just throw something back to you? We've talked uh, about the side of having spent two, tra- uh, three trades. Do we use a fourth? Can I throw it back to you that if you haven't spent any trades, are you more likely to do one of these risky manoeuvres we've talked about with a text because, um, you know, ah, I've just burned a couple of trades because I've got a whole bunch in the bank or are you still evaluating that as no i you know i don't that that's not influencing my decision whether i want to go and jump on the risk train
1: yeah no it it shouldn't it shouldn't be influencing your decision so i think um it wasn't last year as the year before where um i had that half decent season a lot of that was to do with um (laughs) you like how i drop that occasionally (laughs) rank, rank 164 by the way um a lot of that was to do with the fact that i had like I think I'd used one trade in the first three weeks or four weeks. Mm. Um, And then I I just went, you know, bang, bang, bang for the rest of the season. But everything was a justified trade still. Um, And, you know, I got to the point where I had two trades left and ended up losing points on my total team because of it, which sucks. But um, a lot of the time you just get that right and ends up being a few more points, but you can't predict how many injuries you're going to have. And I I was lucky with injuries that year, but if I was unlucky with injuries, I still had the trades there to combat it at least. Um, It just didn't, didn't roll out that way so um, I wouldn't be making trades for the sake of it because it could genuinely be the difference between you know slipping mm. to uh, you know top 5k rank in the in the last round because you can't handle an injury or maintaining top 2 3 1k rank in that last round because you do have a trade to deal with it so um, still justify trades probably more so if you've been able to hold off so far. Uh, if you've dodged all the bullets, which I doubt many have, but if you if you have, then absolutely, I'd uh, try and hold off for as long as possible. Um, so let me
0: s- let, oh. let me just butt in for one last thing. I promise, and then we'll we'll let you out of here. I'll let you out of the studio. Please do, yeah. I'm the reason I ask is because if you're someone in a, posi- a position where position. we've talked about a, <laughs> talked about it before. Where let's say you haven't used any trades yet, you're coming into round two and you're looking for fires that you know may only just Don't be exist. an ember as opposed to a brush yeah, fire. Yeah. Harry Jones at F eight for me, I could totally you know with nothing else to do this week, I could totally try and find someone else to get him out of the side to do. Would you? Is that something you would consider if only if you had you know, not use so many trades um to begin with. Because so the position that I'm kind of in is do I move someone like a Harry Jones to um like a Bergman because I've got all the other good rookies already. Is it is it worth, you know, doing that sort of like a almost like a luxury rookie correction?
1: Yeah, no. Um I mean, with Bergman specifically, we don't know if he's going to last even this week, let alone another two weeks when Bonner's back in fear. Um, he's going to need to do everything he can to, you know, hold his spot. So there is a very real scenario in which Harry Jones accidentally gets on the end of a couple of goals and by round eight, they've made the same amount of money anyway. Um, so sure. you, you, You've just wasted a trade. So. Um, I suppose if you had some sort of assurance from Ken Hinkley that Bergman was definitely going to survive the next month or so, um, I'd probably roll the dice on that one. But um, given what we know right now with the risk associated with uh, Bergman as a selection in general, I, I wouldn't be doing that.
0: So those, those eight rookies we named at the top of the show, at the rookie segment, they're the guys that you would be doing a rookie correction on. If you've yes. got the likes of a Tanner Bruin, uh, an Anthony Scott, a Sharp, uh, a Jones, these kind of guys, you would Dow. just stick them, on the, <laughs> stick them on the bench and just let them just slow burn as opposed to spending a luxury kind of rookie trade to get... You know, like a um, a Coszy or you know, like one of these other just mildly better rookies that will probably make more cash than someone like mm. Harry Jones. You just you just hope to stick stick him at F eight and just not have to worry about him, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so I, 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 I think still, I, I think
0: that's I think that's a, a really important point to make because I think there's going to be people out there going, "Oh, Harry Jones he's averaging in the twenties. Let's flick him to someone." But I think it's actually. You know, maybe a mistake if you already have the majority of the other rookies um, because, you know, you, you're spending a trade on someone that's probably only going to make 50K more than the guy you've already got.
1: Yeah, so the thing is like there are only like two or three worse rookies than Harry Jones if there are any. Um, if you, if <laughs> yeah, you've got him because your, they don't if, play. <laughs> if you've got him in your team... Um, <laughs> And and you you have a sensible amount of rookies elsewhere. You're probably missing someone better. Um, if in your instance you you have like a rookie on most other teams, and that rookie that you have is Harry Jones over Bergman, um, it's not worth it. But for those people that have Harry Jones over, uh, let's say, I mean Warner's a very obvious one. But like mm. who who's slightly less obvious? Like Barry, I suppose, is slightly less obvious. As, as um, Scott, maybe Scott. Yeah, if, if Scott holds his spot in the side, then. What about Um, Brockman? Brockman, I would be getting in over Harry Jones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, So his
0: scoring potential is just, just good enough where you would flick him for... Obviously, you had 22 in the first week.
1: Yeah. But then like I doubt you're going to have two absolute if you if you've only got a couple of embers this week I doubt you're going to have two blazing fires next week. Um holding off on one of the rookies that debuted this week potentially um like Chapman or something like that yeah, could be your good, play. Good um thought. there there are there are options. It's great to have trades in the bank at this stage. Um and I'm not going to because there are plenty of essential trades to make at this time of year as well. Um mm. but if you do fall into one of those lucky camps that don't have to make trades then um, don't don't force the issue. Just wait patiently. Something will come to you. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think that sums it up really well. I'm sorry I dropped that on you.
1: <laughs> no, 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 that's good. That's good. Um, I think that was a great discussion. A great podcast. Even Chizo, you could say. Either um, other people could say, and if they do say so, um, maybe send it to our twitters. You can get me at jb underscore drsc chizo with a z and an o and a couple of e's and a h and a c even at Gzo I mean, underscore drc and then at pistol underscore drc mostly you hit that one up for an unfollow I'm very close to catching him even follows with my good start to the year so um, would appreciate a little bit of support there from the community for once God um, and then the main <laughs> channel is dr underscore sc uh, we really appreciate you guys listening uh, we appreciate the uh, super amount of patrons that we have in there supporting the page as well uh, you guys are amazing last man standing competition make sure you get on board with that and Chizo, thanks for having me on for the podcast, man. It was great.
0: Not a problem. And I'm going to throw out a challenge, JB, just before we go. That no,
1: he's if never you've
0: good. if you've got someone that's struggling with Supercoach, send them the link to this. You know, give, give them. This is the last chance you can probably help them out before they embarrass themselves in your cash league. Make it, you know, make it look like you're being the good team thing, and they might give you some inside info in your keeper league. Just share this with someone that needs the advice um, and give us some feedback we always love the feedback uh, on iTunes and all your podcasting apps uh, to let us know if we're doing a good job and uh, um, help extend the brand just a little bit
1: alright I'm going to link this to you then first thing (laughs) when it drops
0: (laughs) to help me out
1: I mean have you seen your team
0: (laughs) I've got Harry Jones (laughs)
1: yeah we just spent (laughs) half an hour talking about Harry Jones because he's in your side (laughs) oh my god (laughs) please stop the recording